All right, good to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. Let's take our Bibles, if you will. Turn for your part to Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, for my part uh, and your part, I'm going to go back to the book of Exodus and read uh, three or four verses there. Egypt is much like the world that we live in, but only it was the lot of the children of Israel. Uh, We think about those comparisons. uh, We realize that the children of Israel were in Egypt, but they were not of Egypt. And Jesus said, we're in the world, we're not of the world. Then we realize that the Egyptians hated, the Bible said, the children of Israel, Psalm 105, and Jesus said, this world hath hated me, it will hate you. But thank God he had a plan of redemption to bring them out of that world. And I'm glad he had a plan of redemption for you and me that is going to lift us beyond the realm of the world that we live in. We've noticed this matter of, uh, of Egypt, that it was a place of reality. It's, it's where you live. It's where you work. It's what you go through physically. It's what your body uh, offers you as far as health is concerned. It's everyday living. And no need for us to whine and pine about it. That's, that's just life. And it happens. But the good thing about it is, in Egypt we found hope. And in spite of what come our way or comes our way, I'm glad we've got hope yes. in the Lord. Yes. We notice also the reason for Egypt. And basically the emphasis is, is that God was doing a heavenly work in a, in a human situation. That's where heaven and earth meets together in you and in me. God wants to show His love in this world, but He has to bring it down into you and me. He wants this world to see His peace, but it's through the everyday circumstances that He touches you with His peace. Heaven and earth comes together. Amid uh, living everyday life, God shows up where you're at. And He brings with Him some characteristics of heaven and cultivates them into your heart and life as you respond to life in general. And so we notice that in Egypt, wow, not only is there hope down there, there's heaven down there. (laughs) A little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. And I'm going to tell you something, if you ain't got no heaven in you down here, you ain't going to heaven. If, If Christ is not in you, then you're none of His, the Spirit of Christ. I'm glad the Lord has cultivated some heavenly characteristics through the Spirit of Christ that is in us that we can go to heaven in so that we'll not be a stranger when we enter that city. I think as the brother was singing that song, I'm I'm glad I'm not going to be off key when I get to heaven. I'm glad they're not going to have to teach me heaven's chord. I'm glad that he's already uh, fine-tuned that and is fine-tuning that in me down here. So I'll be on cord when I get there. And I'll be able to worship, thank God. But tonight we want to go a step further. And I want to preach on what I call the relief in Egypt. The relief in Egypt. I'm thinking about Jesus' prayer in John 17. He said, Father, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. Now, there's coming a time when he's going to take us out, but for right now, he wants to keep us in. But I don't know about you, sort of as I read the children of Israel, the Bible said they're crying out unto heaven. There are just certain stumps I come up against that I find myself needing some relief. I need some heavenly help. Have you ever been there? I needed needed for God to minister to me amidst the circumstances that I was in. But I got good news for you. There is not only 
hope in Egypt, not only heaven in Egypt, but thank God there's some help within reach of where you're at in your world. Let's look, I'm going to read some verses uh, in Hebrews to, to emphasize this matter of, of help for God's children. And then we'll read the text that I pointed out in Hebrews 12. Uh, in Exodus chapter number 1, the Bible said in verse 7, the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Then, if you'll look down with me to verse 21 of the same chapter. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God. They had been instructed by Pharaoh to kill all the Hebrew male children, but they didn't. But the Bible said that he made them houses. He made them houses. Keep that in mind. Chapter 2 and verse number 9, you know the setup where, uh, where Moses' mother put him in the ark in the water and of course Pharaoh's daughter saw him, heard him crying, had compassion on him. But notice in verse number 9 what transpires. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, talking about Moses' mother, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. <laughs> take this boy, if you'll take care of him, I'll pay you. I'm going to pay you. Hmm. There's help. Now, keep this in mind. There's help. There's some relief. In chapter number 3, verse 21, and verse 22, the Lord said, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, let's go to the text in Hebrews chapter number 11. We'll begin in verse number, verse number 21. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By Faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave them commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, and the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. I was thinking about uh, the old storyteller, uh, comedian Jerry Clower. Anybody ever listened to He had good, clean, they were all lies, but they were clean <laughs> jokes. He assumed you knew he was kidding. And when he talked about Nardale and Ray Nail and whatever them nails were, you know, all his kinfolk, I guess. But he talked about two of them went uh, coon hunting one night and, and uh, they thought they'd chased a coon up a tree and one of them told the other and said, uh, you just hold the light, I'll go up there and shake the tree and I'll just shake him out. You remember that story? So he said to one of them, well, there was a bobcat up in there. 
Well, he got up there and he got tangled up that bobcat and that, boy, and that bobcat's eating him up and he's trying to knock the bobcat down. And, and uh, so the old boy down at the bottom said, uh, well, what do you want me to do? He said, just shoot up in here and give one of us some relief. <laughs> well, have you ever felt like that? I mean, just give me some relief. Have you ever worked at a certain place that you just thought, God, I need some relief from this place? Or, or have you had a, ever had a young'un that you thought, man, I need some relief from this young'un? Or, or have you ever had a pain that you thought, boy, I, just, I need some relief from this? Have you ever been anywhere in your little world that, boy, you'd just give anything if you could just get a little bit of a release or a relief? Well, I'm sure the children of Israel felt that way also. But I want to go through this text and I want to emphasize just uh, probably three, maybe four ways in which they could get relief and help. I'm talking about help. To which they could get help. And of course our help coming from the Lord, we know that. Uh, They're not going to get any help from Pharaoh. They're not going to get any help from the taskmasters. Uh, They're not going to get any help out of Egypt, but I'll tell you, the Lord has got ways of orchestrating even in human realms to where He can, He can take, uh, He can take even wicked vessels, such as Pharaoh's, and, uh, and He can minister to His people. And as, as we'll notice in the text. But I want to point out, as I say, just, uh, three or four things about getting some help where He at. Now, not, not looking to the end of the road and saying, Oh, Lord, I wish, you know, but, uh, and, and not trying to get out of it and not saying, Lord, would you just erase all of this or would you just change all of this? Because more times than not, he's not interested in that. He's interested in helping you in it and where you are in your world. And so he does. He helps the children of Israel. He helps me. He helps you. And here's the first big step. And the Bible said that uh, concerning you and I who are children of faith uh, that we operate or we walk by faith is what the scripture said. The just shall walk and live by faith. And that's my first emphasis. I want you to notice that the help was there all along in the form of faith. Help is near you, yes, help is in you, because help comes through your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and thank God we have the Word of God, and by, the Bible said, the Word of God. And this is the victory. Listen to this verse. This is the victory that overcometh the what? What are we preaching on? The world, their world, your world, my world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If you want to get some help, it's not going to come through carnal means, human reasoning. It's not going to come by legislation or trying to persuade the systems of this world. They're, just, they're going to continue to get more wicked. And as a matter of fact, may we understand that God is not in this world to, to change the world in and of itself. God's interest in, his, in this world is sinners that He saves by His grace that He's taking out of this world. He's not interested in polishing the rails of a sinking ship. And that's what's happening. That's what this world is. It's a sinking ship. But what God has done is He has given you and I faith through His Word. And if we will allow and operate and walk in the realm of that faith, that faith will be our victory no matter where we are. My goodness, look at it. It is mentioned seven times in the text that I read, but you can go all the way back to verse 1 and come all the way down to verse number 40, and and I haven't enumerated it, but many, many times 
the word faith is there. And to have us to understand that, that uh, faith, let me say it this way, thank God faith will work for anyone that has it. It will work for anyone that has it. It worked for Abraham. It worked for Isaac. It worked for Jacob. It worked for Joseph. It worked uh, for Moses. It worked for the Old Testament saints. It worked for the New Testament saints. And thank God I've got good news for you. Faith hasn't run out of energy. Faith will work for you. Believe in God. You believe in God. Me believing God. Faith in itself is nothing. But the object of our faith is everything. It is Christ. It is God. That, that uh, He is sufficient. Aren't you glad that faith is not isolated to just a few people? Oh, but Moses, no wonder. No, no Moses, he, it was his faith that got him through. That's what the scripture said. Oh, but Abraham, he was just, you know, this. No, 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 no. Faith is what operated in him. Oh, but David, no, 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 no. It was faith. It was faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. What shall I say more? Verse 32. And he begins to talk about Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all of these who, who operated in faith. But I'm glad that in the lists of names, that will reach all the way back to Noah. Thank God in that, in that gallery of names, mine resides. Because faith in them is no different than faith in me. Because it's faith in God that counts. Faith in the Lord Jesus that counts. This operating faith, it operates, it'll work for anyone. <laughs> me, me, it'll operate. I'm glad it does, aren't you? But the good thing is, is that faith will operate anywhere. There, is, there are no exceptions as far as geography is concerned of saying, well, I'll just tell you, you can live for Jesus where you're at, but if you lived where I do, then it's impossible. Or we're in America, we can have faith, but in China, I'll tell you, it's impossible. No, it's not. Because you see, faith has no limitations. There are no jurisdiction limits on faith that says you go this far and then you can go no further. Faith took hold in Abraham's heart when he was in the land of idolatry in the land of the Chaldeans where it seemed no one else had faith. Faith took place, thank God, in, in Joseph's heart as a young man in Canaan and he brought it all the way down into Egypt. Joseph, uh, faith took place in Moses' heart while he's being trained by, by the ungodly, by, by the devil himself, so to speak, is taking him to school, but it, faith is being cultivated on the inside. Let's not, let us not sell our faith out in a short-handed way by saying, well, I just can't do it where I'm at. Faith will work in anyone who has it and it will work anywhere. Anywhere. And can I say to you that faith will work on anything. Anything. Whether it is Abraham having a, a child or whether it is Noah building a ship or whether it is, uh, whether it is, uh, uh, David killing a giant, uh, faith will work on anything. And what Christ is doing, what God is doing in your life and in my life, is he's, he's, he's putting us in our isolated situations. He's putting us in our Egypt. He's putting us in our world to let us know that if we will believe in Him, the victory will flow out of our faith. Thank God that we do not have to fear any event, any time, any place, any circumstance. All we need to do is let our faith operate 
and believe God for who we are, where we are, what we are, what's going on around us. I don't know about you, but I find help in that. I find no help in trying to push the buttons and pull the levers and figure everything out and trying to uh, legislate and regulate to try to get it to where I think I can get it because all of that is impossible. But I, found, hey, I find help in, in knowing that I can believe God for anything, anywhere, anytime. Isn't that a blessing? It is in the matter of faith. And faith does not take vacations. Uh, faith is not something that works intermittently. Faith does not turn on on Sunday morning and perhaps Sunday night and then you turn it off on Monday because rest of the week you just sort of live it the way the best you can on a human level. But I'm here to tell you that if you're going to operate in this world the way that God wants you to operate, every single step must be a step of faith. Not a step of the flesh, not a step of human energy, but a step, oh Lord, as, I, as Abraham took his steps and as, as, as Isaac took his steps and as Jacob took, so we take our steps, but every step must be. Every step. Do not get caught up in Egypt, in that, in that world that is so dark and devastating. Don't be trying to do it yourself. God has given you the key God has given you the key. God has given you the key to the world you live in. Faith. But thanks be unto God. I'm so glad that he gave me faith. It's faith. <laughs> faith. You said, but preacher, you just don't know where I'm at. No. I don't. But I know one thing. If you're going to get any help where you're at, you're going to have to believe God. You say, but preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. And I don't have the answer to it in a in human solution. But if you're going to get any help, you're going to have to believe God. But there is help in believing. And so it, it is a matter of... Relief coming when you operate by faith. <laughs> oh, I love it. Not worrying about what's going to unfold, what's going to come your way. You, you're living life. It's supposed to happen. Folks will say, well, I'll just tell you what, the devil, he's just been so mean to me. Well, what do you expect him to be good? Huh? Send up on Wednesday nights all day the devil he just been on the job and he just better just well you better just hush he's listening he's not God he's not omniscient he doesn't know everything he only knows what you tell him and if you tell him then he's just going to double up on you the next time I like what one fellow said he said the devil may ride my back but I'm not going to give him a saddle to ride it on. <laughs> the world's on if you're having listen you know where much of our discouragement comes from is that we expect more out of the world than what it is going to give we must believe God through it all Whatever this world gives us and hands us and whatever our steps must take us through, we must believe God. Not complain and say, why me? Am I being selected to face something no one else has been selected? No, you're just going through life. But in that life is the possibilities of believing God to help you as you go through everyday life. Somebody said, boy, I'll tell you, if the Lord would heal me, I'd just feel so good about it. Wouldn't we all? 
And he may do so. I have seen him. I have, I'm not just playing it up. I'm, I've known the, of healings and I know he can heal, but 99.9% of the time, you know as well as I do, we're all going to go through what we go through. But thank God if you can believe the Lord in the midst of that, that's the most help that you can ever receive. That's better than the healing. Did the Lord touch you back? No, it didn't, preacher. I appreciate y'all praying, but but he sure is good to me. And I'm believing him for whatever he wants to do in my life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Huh? Yeah, faith. I'm glad for it. I couldn't make it if it wasn't for it. <laughs> that just gives you an added strength to know that whatever the devil brings your way tomorrow, that there's a faith within you that will supersede it. <laughs> I watch it. I'm fixing to say something to him and it ain't good. <laughs> that breastplate of faith will hold off those fiery darts of the wicked one. And the only thing that he cannot combat, the only thing that he cannot handle yeah. is your faith. <laughs> He's a poor guy's working overtime to get us. Oh, Pharaoh's just thinking up new tricks to get them. Thinking up new things to do to them. That's just, we're going we gonna to do it to them. And the more they did, the more they believed God. It just forced them into believing God more. <laughs> the old, the old, you know, David, he had no idea he was going to be fighting a giant. He went over there. He didn't, he didn't ever had need no faith to beat no giant. He used faith to beat a lion and a bear, but he never needed no faith because he ain't never faced no giant. But then he heard that giant up there running his mouth. Something got ignited on the inside. He said, oh, hey, wait a minute. You don't talk about that like that about my Lord. I'm, I'm fixing to get upset. Ain't y'all done nothing about that? He said, I'll go up there and talk to him about it. Maybe we can get this ironed out. He headed on up there, and that old giant got up there, that big old sword, and said, oh, who were you? They sent a dog up there. Well, I'll just take you, and I'll just kill you and feed you. He said, now nah, you've done it. Now nah, you've done it. I didn't even bring no sword and didn't bring no staff. All I knew, I didn't, I just come bringing some cheese and stuff. And all I got's a sling and stuff. And he said, I'm trusting the God of the armies of Israel. And you're a dead meat, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Faith. David, it said David. Faith, faith, faith. <laughs> You say, how in the world did he throw that rock and hit him right between the eyes? I tell you, faith! Boom! Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. You ever go to, uh, what is that store that's got the easy button? Staples? That's what faith will do. Honey, don't wrestle with all these issues within yourself. You just make you miserable. But I'm going to tell you, when you approach it in faith, it's kind of like hitting the easy button. Yeah. Old David hit that old guy, giant, upside the head. Head back down, went up and hit the easy button. Yeah. Said, that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> See, what's making it difficult in the Egypt that you live in, the world you live in, is because... We find ourselves getting in the conflict with, with uh, as I say, in a human sense. But the only reason why God is letting you be confronted with all of this is He's letting you and allowing you to see that there is victory in faith. And when faith supersedes, <laughs> you can just hit the easy button. That was easy. Huh? 
You read it. Anywhere faith, word faith took over, it was an easy button. That was easy. <laughs> I often wonder off in this because I, I too had some trouble out of my children, but boy, you know, I raised them and I thought I had them just where they ought to be and then they took off on me. Yeah. A couple of them did. But by that time, I just thought, well, yeah, well, you know, I'm a dad. I can handle this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ain't no easy buttons on them knotheads, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you, just hand, you just bounce off, and they bounce again. <laughs> but ain't it something when you can get along with the Lord and say, now, Lord, yes. I was supposed to give her to you years ago, and now I realize I didn't really. I'm harassing with hell by the acres, but I'm going to just turn it over to you. Huh? I'm amazed. For my two, I can just say, that was easy. That was easy. When God takes over when you believe him, he takes the stress out of it. Easy. How we need to believe him. Second thought. There's help in, in this matter of operating by faith. That's the only way you can. It's the only way you can. But secondly, I want to emphasize that There is help, and here's the reason why I read those verses in the book of Exodus, because I wanted wanted you to see this. That there is help in recognizing your favor. Now, let's get this. You understand I'm preaching about Egypt, and we ain't said nothing good about it yet. Because... It ain't much good in there. But if we're not careful, what we'll do in life that does produce us with some heartaches and cares and conflicts and battles and temptations and trials, if we're not careful as God's children, we'll just paint everything bad. But here's the thing that I think the children of Israel eventually got help out of and that you will get help out in your world is don't sit around and think about everything that's bad, but thank God for what you have received out of a bad situation. And say it this way, it ain't all that bad. Now think about it. Here is Egypt, and, and, and God has already said to Abraham that they're going to be down there 430 years, and they're going to afflict them, so it's, it's going to be bad. But I'm going to tell you something. Even in the midst of where you're at and what you're going through, if you will allow God to show you, you will see that there are blessings in the midst of that for you. Whatever it is, God has instilled in the midst of the, uh, of the whole of this old world, once it's broken over, open, there is within there some goodies that you will say, wow, how did I get that out of that? And everybody else will too. <laughs> how do you get good out of evil? Ask Joseph, he did. Huh? God, just putting you in these, these adverse, dark situations to show you some light. Put, putting you on the, the backdrop of the canvas of Egypt so that, that he might show you some things that are there that are blessings that, that, that he, will, he will, in spite of the Pharaohs, in spite of the, the, the Egyptians, he's going to show you favor there because you are his child. Think about it. 
You're looking at me like you're not thinking. Think about it. Think about it. Well, I mean, let's go back to Joseph. He's taken down into Egypt. He's being sold down there to be a servant. Now, in the minds of those that sold him, his brethren, what do they think? That, did you know that the average lifespan of an Egyptian during Joseph's day was 30 years old? Now, what do you suppose that his brothers thought about him? When they had him sold uh, to the Ishmaelites and they took him down into Egypt, had they known that's where he was going to end up, they, they would have said, good, that's the end of him. We know he won't even live to be 30 years old because they're going to make a slave out of him. And that's what they made out of him. But you know where he ended up? You know where he became prime minister? It wasn't in Canaan. He became prime minister in Egypt. <laughs> Somebody said, Joseph, man, I really, how in the world did that happen? He said, God's been good. God, you mean in Egypt? Yeah, he's been good. Through it all, he's been good. And what about Jacob? Jacob goes down there. He ain't got no money. I mean, he's lost all of his... He's, he's, he's bankrupt. And he goes down there. And they give him the nice little settlement called Goshen. And the king said, you just take care of them while they're over there. There's only 70 of them. Take care of them. Now, where did they do that? In Egypt. And what about the midwives? The midwives, after this other Pharaoh comes to the throne and he don't know Joseph and he's out to kill all of the male children because he thinks they're out populating and they are him and uh, he sees a threat there and so he calls these midwives who deliver and said, every male child you see, kill them! But do they do it? No. You read there in chapter number 2, Pharaoh asked him, said, hey, what's the big deal? And so they give him some kind of flipping answer. And the, guy, the Bible said God blessed them because they feared him and had them houses built. I'm going to ask you something. Has God, has God ever, now I know Christ was a carpenter, I'm not talking about that, but has God ever in spirit come down and built anybody a house? In spirit? No, somebody human built your house. Right? Now I'm going to ask you something. Do you think that these midwives had enough money to build a house? Do you think the children of Israel had enough funds to build them a house? As slaves? Well, you think they got the money to build them houses? You know who built those houses? Pharaoh did. The Lord said, Pharaoh, build these girls some houses. Now they thought the worst was going to come out of it, I'm sure. They feared God and not, and they did not kill those children. And Pharaoh wants to know what it's all about. And instead of having them killed, he has favor on them. God has them some houses built. Wow. <laughs> y'all, y'all seen our new chalet? New chalet? How'd you, Pharaoh, the, the uh, housing, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Housing Authority, HUD, come over and build us a new house. They said, well, what did you do? Nothing. Nothing. I said, wow, that's pretty good. They said, yeah, it is. You need to come and see our new kitchen and bathroom. We got indoor plumbing and vans and air conditioning and lights. Somebody said, where'd that happen? In Egypt. And don't look at me like you've missed out. You're doing pretty good yourself. And you ain't in heaven yet. God has sent some favor your way and my way. I'm talking about where you're at. Can you appreciate? Can you see? Have you noticed? That God has even used the world that you exist in to be a blessing to you and you've, seen, you've received favor? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. What about Moses? I love this one. Now, the commandment is to kill them children, them male children, and, uh, and Jochebed and Amram, they have a little boy, and they believe, no doubt, that this boy is going to be the deliverer. They see something in him, but he, they have to hide him for three months, and then they have to put him in that water, in that, and, and thinking maybe they'll never see him again, and that ark push him out there, the bulrushes, and the alligators. I've been there where that Nile River is, and, and where supposedly he was put in there and, and, and the hope of him coming out of there alive I, I tell you for the most part as far as humanly speaking is going to be impossible except on that day Pharaoh's daughter got up and she said man I don't smell good today I'm going to take me a bath in the Nile River didn't she? She goes down into the Nile River to take her a bath. And all of a sudden, here comes little old Moses. And the Holy Ghost pinches him. And he starts a crying. Not by accident. She hears the cry. She knows who that boy is. She said, that's one of the Hebrew boys. But she had compassion. The Lord took an old... Never did touch her daddy, but took her heart and squeezed it and said, Don't you love him? Miriam is standing by. She overhears the conversation. So she runs up as if she don't know what it's all about and said, Hey, I know a Hebrew woman that will take care of that baby for you. You do? Call her on the phone. We need to get a hold of her. And so then, I'm talking about favor. So the last time that, that, that Moses' mother sees him, he's going down the river. The next time she sees him, government officials are bringing him to the door. What do you call them? The ones that's over child care, health, and all that other stuff, services? Knocking on the door. Ma'am, you've been recommended. And we've got a boy here that we want you, will you take care of him? Oh yeah, I will. (laughs) Well, if you will, we'll pay you wages. (laughs) You're going to do what? Get your checkbook out right there before we leave. Write her a check. What kind of check you think she wrote? I mean, this, her daddy is the richest man on earth. He's king. There's no end to gold and silver and things like that. The scripture doesn't say, but I just don't think that if you were that rich and you had uh, uh, somebody you thought was a handmaid to raise your child, you wouldn't let them live in a dump. May have built them a new house. Bought a pool in the back. Need some chariots to haul him to the doctor and back. Want him to have the best. There's your check. And if you need any more, you let me know. And every day wagons are coming in and wagons are leaving. You say, well, he's living on welfare. (laughs) Pharaoh's paying for it. He's paying all the costs of raising God's son, God's child, who's going to be the deliverer. <laughs> Don't you know one day he screamed in his office and said, How did this happen? Amram, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get me some more of that baby milk out of there. I need to... Feed him. Well, he's getting so fat now he can't walk. It's all right. We got plenty. Unexplainable favor. And then if that's not enough, the Egyptians are watching the children of Israel finally leave Egypt. And they're glad they're gone. But God said to them, 
said, you ladies, said, you talk to them Egyptian ladies. And then another text said he gave them favor and said, I'm going to have them give you gold and silver and jewels. Now understand me right here. If a woman gives away gold, jewels, and silver, there's either something wrong with her or God Almighty has taken over. That is as big a miracle as the splitting of the Red Sea. Isn't it? And gives every bit of that to them and here they go out of there. And what they said, said, put it on your children so they can carry it. Because it's going to be too much for you. And here they go out of Egypt and they take all that gold and silver and necklaces and all of that other stuff and they go out there in the wilderness, they build God a house and they cover it with gold and silver using all that that came out of Egypt. Why? Because God in the midst of Egypt, showed them favor. I know this is a bad world. I know we face our bumps and humps and ups and downs. But honey, shouldn't we, even in our little world, stop and count the blessings and name them one by one? To know that God has showed you favor on your street, on your job, in your home, in a lot of ways. Dear sister, back in the mountains of North Carolina many years ago when I first started pastoring, Laura King was her name. She's since went to heaven, died in her 90s, but what a precious saint she was. And one day I was preaching on counting your blessings and I did say, you ought to count your blessings. Go to to sleep at night, count your blessings, you know. The next Sunday morning she came to church with her cane. She always come down with that cane. She was a feisty old lady. She walked right up at me and I was standing about right here and she said, I ought to take this cane and whack you over the head. I said, Sister Laura, you're not normal. I like that. That's violent. She said, yes, it is. But said, Wednesday, you said that we needed to go home and count our blessings. And said, I got in bed and started counting. And the last time I looked at the clock, it was four in the morning. (laughs) Most of what you've received in this world has come through pagan situations. Was it a Christian that owned that place of business? Sometimes it is, but more times than not, it's not a place. But yet, some of them old center boys back there, them foremans and everything, they said, you know, been nice and old John, and they don't even realize why they're feeling the way they're feeling, but God's wanting to bless you. And said, I've been noticing old John said, I think we ought to give him a raise and promote him up. What do you think? The other guy said, yeah, I think we ought to. And you didn't know it. But God was taking care of you even in your Egypt. Hadn't there been so many times? Just think of where you're at, where you live. Think of the things that have happened in your life time and time again that are inexplainable, that had to be God, but He used this world to do it. Let's not be too hard and too harsh. I remember one old preacher back again in the mountains of North Carolina. What a preacher he was. He was preaching about a church that he had pastored and they got to where they didn't like him so they decided they'd quit tithing and he'd have to leave. So they did. They quit tithing. Well, he was one of them fellas, you know, he'd go around witnessing all through the community and everything. And, and uh, there was a, an old country store there where some of the men in the community would sit there and chew tobacco and whittle and spit and talk and whatever. And he'd go by there just to, just to talk to them old sinners and spend some time with them there. Said he went in the store one Monday, he was just so low, so low that evening from what had happened to church. And he said he went in there and said them old boys said to him, Preacher, some of them Zim cried said, We heard what happened at church yesterday. And we heard they ain't even planning on penance, but said, You don't worry about that. Said, We'll take up enough collection among ourselves to keep you going. <laughs> and they wasn't nothing but old sinners. Ain't that something? Now God is able to channel through even Egyptian circumstances, 
Because, honey, if you, if you make it, you're going to make it in this world. And God's going to use this world to make sure you do make it. So just go ahead and thank him for the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. For those blessings that flow through through circumstances that you would not even imagine that they would come your way. But I'm going to tell you, honey, if you want some help, your help will be in, in the operations of faith and your help will be in the recognitions of your favor. God has been so good to me. You know, God takes care of you even before you're saved. God, I can look back over my life and see how good he was to me. I've said it here, said it across, I can't help but still testify about how the Lord saved me back in the hills of West Virginia. Just a, 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 a mother left a year and a half old, my dad a drunkard, never remarried, and, and of course I was the youngest of nine living in in that environment, and I couldn't tell you the times that I came home from school so starved. I'd open, I, I, can, I must have done it a thousand times. You know that old lard can that used to have that cherry pie on it? That thing agonized me. Because <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many times I could eat my nails and I'd open up and see that cherry pie. But there was nothing to eat. I was preaching a funeral in that area and there was some folks that came to that funeral that they were the type of people that when the last person supposedly moved out of the house that should have moved out of the house because it should have been condemned, they moved in. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. They moved in. If you were done with it and it seemed like it couldn't be used more, that's when they moved in. And they didn't do nothing to it when they moved in. They just lived in until it just went on. And somebody mentioned the dear lady come up, and I saw her, I was so happy to see her, and hugged her neck. And somebody, they said, yeah, you, they called their name and said, you know how, how they, not like we lived any better, but they were just one step below us. I mean, we moved out of the house, they moved in. It was, you know, it was bad, bad. It was bad when we left. But anyway, and I said to him with tears in my eyes, I said, yeah, they lived pretty dirty, and they did. It, it was nasty. But I'm, I said, I'm going to tell you something about it. I said, I never went into that home as a five, and six, seven-year-old boy, but what that old woman wouldn't set me down at her nasty table and let me eat Amen. and stay alive. Yeah. And there was several homes in that community that I wouldn't eat in now. <laughs> Since I've gotten sophisticated, <laughs> that I didn't think I, I when at night I, wherever I was at, that's where I lay, lay, went to bed. I'd lay down there, and I'm going to tell you there was five or six families across that hill that I knew that when I went there, I could get something to eat, and I felt no resentment. God using old sinners to keep me going till they saved me. Isn't that something? If you're going to get any help, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to focus on your help. Yeah. Yeah. And realize that God's helping you right where you're at if you'll just let him. Yeah. 